All right, welcome to Bible Baptist Church. We appreciate you being here. We have some people here in, in the audience, so thank you for joining us. And I want to challenge you, if you want to come to Sunday night, you are more than welcome to. We re-sanitize everything, and so we would love to have you come. So if you're watching online and uh, want to meet in person again, we would love to have you come and join us here at the church and uh, fellowship again with some people and then fellowship around the Word of God. That's our goal here is to study the Word of God and enjoy it and learn from it. So I'm so glad that you guys came tonight and uh, appreciate you joining us. If you would please take your Bibles, turn to First John chapter 4. First John chapter 4. I want to thank Pastor Levi again uh, for taking over for me last week. He does a great job and it's a great opportunity for him. And I learned something last week, and so I'm thankful for him and his study of First John and uh, knowing that you know God. And so that was helpful to me, and some of the things he said was very helpful to me. And um, we, we take some time and we discuss what we were taught on Sunday night, and we discuss that on Wednesday night. And so if you're interested in that, we do that over Zoom. Uh, we would love to have you join us. First John chapter 4. Now let me ask you this question. When was the last time you were called a liar? Darlene, your husband has probably called you that before, right? <laughs> uh, I hate being called a liar. That is one of the things that I despise, um, mainly because I really, I desperately try hard to tell the truth all the time. If I tell a lie, it is purely by accident. I do not mean to. I want to tell the truth all the time. I don't enjoy it. It's something that I... Uh, struggle with. But let me ask this question. Why do people call other people liars? Why do they call them a liar? Well, it's usually because there's some discrepancy between what they are saying and what they are doing, right? So you often get called a liar because you say one thing and do another. You're saying that you, my, my, you know, your wife may say, you say that you love me, but you're not acting like you love me. You're, you're lying to me, okay? So there might be some of those things. So their actions do not match their words, or they are really bad liars, and their words do not match their words. You ever, you've met people like that before, where they're just habitual liars, and they'll say one thing one day, and the next day they'll some, say something else. So those things just don't match up, and I don't like that. I want my life to match up with my words. I want to be uh, someone that is, is, is consistent in all of those things. But being called a liar is not exactly a fun experience, is it? I don't enjoy that by any stretch of the imagination. But what about when God calls you a liar? What if God were to call you a liar? That would be something that would be even less of a fun experience. The God that cannot lie calling you a liar. So if God calls you a liar, that means you are a liar. If God says you're, he can't lie, it's impossible for him to lie. The Bible says the God that cannot lie. And so we, if we're called by God a liar, it is the truth. And the apostle Paul has been writing to us, and he's writing to us in, in a cyclical way. Basically, it just keeps going around in a circle. He keeps saying one thing, and then he says another, and he says another, and he gets us back to this point, and he begins to say the whole thing again. So if you've been noticing, he talks about walking with God and walking in the light, and then he talks about your brother, and then he talks about walking with God, and then he talks about your brother, and he talks about walking with God. So it's, if you will, cyclical. It's like a revolving door. 
By the way, I love revolving doors. We were in Chicago last, uh, what was it, February? No, I don't remember when we were in Chicago. Nonetheless, we were in Chicago, and they have really big revolving doors, and I just can't help myself. I have to run around in the thing. And people are standing there watching me like what a crazy man that is walking around in this revolving door. But this is the way that the Apostle Paul is almost speaking. And so to some, that may seem like an annoyance. It might be annoying to have John speak in this way. But it is actually important to understand the effect that God has on a person. John is speaking in this way because of the effect that God has on a person. When your relationship with God is correct, all of these other things will take care of themselves. And so it's not so much that John is speaking in circles. It's John is showing you that the more you know God, the more you understand how the rest of your life will work in relation to that. Knowing God and having an abiding relationship with him, with him affects every fiber of our beings. I need to say that again. Knowing God and having an abiding relationship with him affects every fiber of our being. Or at least it should. If we don't have a relationship with God, then you won't notice a change. And once again, it is completely viewable by our actions. What's on the inside is sure to come out. It is going to come outside of you. And so we pick up in 1 John chapter 4 in verse 20. Pastor Levi left us with we love him because he first loved us. But verse 20, the Bible says, If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a what? He's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? This is extremely interesting to me. If you, again, we've, we've read things similar to this before. First John, earlier chapters, we've read these things similar to it. So again, seems like he's going in a circular pattern. But I believe there are multiple ways that we can view this verse. So multiple angles, if you will. Number one, I think we can look at it as this way. Loving God naturally brings a love for others. I want you to think about that. Loving God naturally brings a love for others. We've talked about that. We've spent a lot of time on that. But number two, I think we can look at it this way. You cannot love God and hate your brother. Okay, so again, if we look at this verse, if a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? You cannot love God and hate your brother. It's impossible. I want you to understand that. So if you say to me, I love God, but I hate this person, you are a liar. That is impossible to do. So loving God naturally brings a love for others and you cannot love God and hate your brother. So to say you love God and your actions say you hate your brother, you are lying and you don't actually love God. Okay, so there's a discrepancy here. You're saying one thing and you're doing another. It's a lying situation. You are lying, you don't actually love God. So let me give you this quote. When you are full of capital L-O-V-E, when you are full of love, love is sure to come out. 
Think about it. If you take a sponge and you fill it full of water and you step on it, what is going to come out? Not anything but water, what you put into it. So listen, if you are full of love, of capital L-O-V-E, because God is love, if you are full of him, love will come out. When you are full of love, there is no room for hate. You realize that. What you put into the sponge is what is going to come out. If you fill a sponge full of water, you're not going to be able to put anything else into it. It's so full, it can't suck up anymore. When you are full of love, there is no room for hate. Now I want you to think about this. I want you to think about hate. This is something that uh, the Lord kind of spoke to me about this week. Hate is a result of self-serving love. Okay? Hate is a result of self-serving love. So get ready, put your seatbelts on. I want to step on some toes tonight. So go to 2 Samuel chapter 13. Hate is a result of self-serving love. So what happens is you say, I love someone, and you hate someone else. Perhaps you're loving out of a self-serving love. 2 Samuel chapter 13, look at verse 1. The Bible says this, And it came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair or beautiful sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, look at this, what does the next word say? Loved. Loved her. And Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin, and Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. And most of you will know this story. You can continue. Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, and Jonadab was not a very nice fellow. And Jonadab begins to talk to Amnon and says, Listen, you love your sister Tamar, your half-sister Tamar. Listen, why don't you fake yourself sick? And have her come in, and then you can take her, and you can take advantage of her. And so Amnon takes Jonadab's advice. If you'll look in verse 6, So Amnon lay down and made himself sick, and when the king was come to see him, Amnon said unto the king, I pray thee, let Tamar my sister come and make me a couple of cakes in my sight that I may eat at her hand. And so David does. Now watch this end of the story, Second Samuel chapter 13 and verse 14. He, she comes in, he grabs a hold of her, and she says, no, don't do this thing. The king, if you do this properly, the king will not withhold me from thee. But verse 14 says, Howbeit he would not hearken unto her voice, but being stronger than she, forced her and lay with her. Watch verse 15. Then Amnon, what? Hated her exceedingly. Watch this now. So that the hatred wherewith he hated her was greater than the love wherewith he had loved her. And Amnon said unto her, Arise, be gone, get out of here. I don't want to see you anymore. I don't want you anywhere near me. So I want you to understand that hate is a result of self-serving love. Sometimes we love God not for what he has already done for us, but because of what we want him to do for us. Sometimes we love God not for what he has already done for us, but because of what we want him to do for us. 
You so we, we look at God and we say, God, I need peace. God, I need joy. God, I need love. I need long-suffering. I need all these things. God, I need some finances. I need you to help me out of this situation in my life. I need all of these things, God, and I will love you if you help me through these things. Though we may not say it just like that, that's often how we live our lives. And here's the interesting thing. When God ceases to do those things, guess what we get? We get angry. When God ceases to be all of those things for us and God ceases to uh, stop giving us things, we get angry and we do the same things with people. Listen, we love people because of the things that they can do for us. I asked my kids this question. I don't know, maybe I've already told you this, but I asked my kids, what is love? When you say, I love you, why are you saying that? And my kids said, well, because you guys do things for us. And I said, so anybody that does things for you, you love them, and that's the only people that you love. And they're like, no, 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 that's not right, that's not right. But when you, that's the way we think. We think as children, and we think, listen, as long as people are doing things for us, we have no idea what love is. We think love is a self-service. I'm going to love you because of what I can get from you. This was the story of Amnon and Tamar. He loved her because she was beautiful and he wanted something from her. And when he got it and could not receive anything else from her, he hated her. It was done. It was gone. Hate is a result of self-serving love. So there are Christians all over the place that I believe are saying, oh, I love God. I love God. But they are treating their brothers and sisters like garbage, for lack of a better term. This immediately shows that there is a problem with the relationship with God. So hear me. If you hate your brother, can I challenge you? Perhaps you are looking at God in a self-serving manner. Perhaps you are. You would say, well, Pastor Yeomans, you don't know what that person did to me. You don't know how, how angry they made me feel. You don't know how frustrated, how, how they used me, how they abused me, how you fill in the blank. You don't know what I've gone through. Well, let me ask you a question. Did God ever stop loving someone because of what they did to him? Did God ever stop loving someone because of what they did to him? The answer to that is no. Let me ask you a further question. Does God hate you because of what you have done to him? Listen, every single day we blow it with God. We blow our relationship with God. We mess up. We cause him great pain. We cause him great anxiety, I'm sure, if God can have anxiety. We cause God all kinds of problems, yet he continues to love us and not hate us. Because God's love is not a self-serving love. God's love is unconditional. It's to all men. It's to everyone everywhere. This is the love. This is the love that we ought to be showing. And so if you haven't gotten your toes stepped on enough, I want you to understand if you hate someone, you are not loving God the way that you should. 
It's that simple. When you love God because he first loved you, you will see that love flow out of you to the people around you. Go back to 1 John. 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Should have kept my finger there. 1 John chapter 4. In verse 20 again. Excuse me, verse 19. We love him because he first loved us. We don't love God because of what he can do for us. We love him because he already loved us. He's already done it. He's all, it is finished, the Bible says. Listen, the, everything that we get on top of that is just icing on the cake. I, I sang a song one time, and I've heard a song, and I love it. If I never had all, I mean, it lists all kinds of things. If I never felt the sand on the seashore, if I never heard the birds singing, if I never uh, felt the wind blowing through my hair, if I never felt all these and understood all these, these things, to know that he saved me is more than enough. It's more than enough. So listen, we love him because he first loved us. And if we are full of that love, that love will flow out from us. The end of the verse says, For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Listen, I, I can see you people. I can see you physically with my eyes, but no man has seen God at any time. And so if I can't love you, how in the world am I going to love God? And if I can't love God, how in the world am I going to love you? 1 John chapter 4 and verse 21. And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. It's a commandment. If you are going to love God, you are going to love your brother. It is impossible to love God and hate your brother. And again, I'm sure the argument will come across. Well, I don't hate them. Let's define hate, not love. <laughs> Let's define hate. Hate is not love. And so you might say, well, I don't like them and I surely don't love them, but I don't hate them. Hate is not love. So you must understand, if you love God, you will love your brother also. But John doesn't stop there. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 1, the Bible says this. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. That's important. We talked a little bit about that this morning and knowing you're saved and knowing Jesus Christ is your personal Savior and that's the only way we can gain peace. But whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. This is so, so important. Notice the focus. The focus is not on the begotten, but on the begetter, if you will. I don't even know if that's a proper term. But it's not on the children, it's on the father. Notice again. And everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. The goal is not to love the people around you. Pay attention now. The goal is to love the father. 
Because when you love the Father in an unself-serving love, you will love the people around you. The focus of our love ought not to be the children of God. It ought to be God. When we love God, guess what happens? We love those that are loved by God. Man, that's a lot of love. Let me say that again. When we love God, we love those that are loved by God. Why? Because we have the love that God has. When our focus is God and we're loving God and we're spending time with him and we're focused solely upon him, something dramatic happens in our lives. We don't have to try to love other people. You realize that. Have you ever been in a situation where you've tried to love someone? I have. Man, that person is just unlovable, but I'm going to try to love him. Listen, I I understand the thought process behind that, and I get why people say that. But listen, if you are loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you will love your neighbor as yourself. The Bible is pretty clear. So the focus of our love is not on the children of God, but the focus of our love ought to be on God, the Father. Way too often we get our focus on the wrong thing, don't we? Because we can see our brother, because we can interact with him on a physical level. There's a whole lot of Christians who are focused on a whole lot of other things than God. Pastor Holland aptly said some things this morning about a mask. There are some that are focused on a mask. Completely focused on a mask. You you realize that, again, he said it this morning, I thought he did such a good job. In saying, listen, if we didn't have padded pews, if we didn't have air conditioning, would we stop meeting in church? We shouldn't. I mean, if the government shuts us down and we say, they, can, they say no longer, are we going to stop coming to church? Listen, there are, there are people in China, I'm sure, that disagree with what the government's doing. And yet they realize that God is more important. Some people are focused on a virus. Some people are focused on other people are reacting to the virus. You realize that people watch us and see how we react to the virus? I have people that are calling me and saying, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be doing what you're doing. They are just watching us. Some people are focused on the media. Some people are focused on the government. Some people are focused on their families. Some people are focused on their jobs or the loss of, of their jobs. Some people are focused on all kinds of different things. Listen, please, none of these things are bad. Masks are not bad. The virus is not bad. Media is not bad. Government's not bad. None of those things are bad, but they are distracting us from the main goal. I want you to understand that. There's nothing Satan wants more than to distract us from God. Because when we are distracted from God, there is no way we're going to love our brother the proper way. There is no way we're going to reach St. Thomas for Christ when we are distracted from all of these crazy things. Listen, there are some things that have taken me away from what I believe God has called me to do. I don't want to read letters from Southwestern Public Health. I don't. But those things are necessary in order to continually function as a church. Listen, I don't sit there and mull over them and mull over them and mull over them. Listen, I get the details and we move on. Because I don't want this to distract 
me from my purpose in life, and my purpose is to love God with my whole heart. When that happens, every fiber, everything changes in a way that I could never explain. In a way that I can't go, well, this is a four-step formula. No, it's a one-step formula, love God. Love God. Loving God is the main goal. And Satan will do whatever he can to distract us from that. Whatever he can. Listen, I believe God is in control of this virus. I believe God is in control of the government. I believe God is in control of everything. But that doesn't mean Satan can't use it. Satan can use things to distract us. And I want you to most certainly pay attention that oftentimes we get distracted from God and it's important to keep our focus on him. Look at verse 2. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 2. But this we know, that we love the children of God. How? When we love God and keep his commandments. You see, he just keeps saying this same thing over and over again, but he takes it a further step. We know we love the children of God when, you'll never guess, when we love God and keep his commandments. So let me show you the circle, if you'll allow me. Love obeys. Okay? You see that there. When we love God and keep his commandments. So love obeys. Obedience shows faith. Okay? Let me explain that for a second. My kids are crossing the road. We're all crossing the road. I get to the other side and my kids are lollygagging, spending, doing whatever they want to do, playing in the street. And I say to them, get out of the road. There's a car coming. Guess what they have to do? If they're going to obey, that means they trust me that I see something that they don't. So obedience shows faith. Guess what faith does? Faith overcomes the world. We'll see in just a minute. We'll read the verses. Faith overcomes the world. And then guess what happens? Faith in Christ loves. And then love obeys. And then obedience shows faith. And then faith overcomes. And then faith in Christ love. And then love obeys. And then obedience brings faith. And faith overcomes. Do you see the circle? Well, let's read First John chapter 5 and verse 3. For this is the love of God. Notice that. That we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. That's an important thing. We'll touch on that in a minute. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Verse 5. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. And when you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you begin to love Him and love obeys. And do you see the pattern? It changes every fiber. It's so, again, it's so cyclical. Let's start again at the very beginning. We believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and we get saved. Remember the day you got saved? I do. I remember it. I can see where I was sitting. I can remember the excitement, the joy that was in my heart and in my life. I remember that. I had placed my faith and trust in him. 
That day I received the love of God. It was always present. It was always available to me. But that day I received the love of God. The longer we are saved, the more we understand the deep, deep love of God that sent his only begotten son into the world to die for our sins. And the more we grow in that love, and because of that love, we want to obey him. Right? Listen, people think that when you, and I've used this illustration before, when you get married, and the wife or the husband says in their vows to love, cherish, honor, and obey. And I know a lot of women that take that right out. Oh no, there's no way I'm obeying a man. Listen to me, we've got it backwards. If you love someone, you want to obey them. Not in a commanding way, but in a loving way. I've used this illustration, I love meatloaf. It is my favorite meal. My wife knows that and my wife loves me. I don't have to say, woman, you better make me some meatloaf. If I did, it would be terrible. But you know what my wife says? Hey, babe, what do you want for dinner tonight? You want some meatloaf? I'll make you meatloaf. It's your favorite meal. Listen, that's obeying. She knows what I like. Listen, the more you love God, the easier it is to obey his commandments. Listen, there's over a thousand commandments in the New Testament alone. Good luck trying to obey them all out of duty. The more you love him, the more you know how he acts. Listen, the same is true between my wife, me and my wife. I know that she likes certain things. I know how she likes them. And so when I love her and I'm showing my love to her, guess what? I'm going to obey her. I'm going to fulfill her desire. That's the difference. We continue to grow in that love, and because of that love, we want to obey him. Go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. In verse 1, Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, you know the verse. The Bible says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. What, what, what do you mean? I'm begging you because of what has already happened. Because Jesus Christ died on the cross, because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You can see that all the way through Romans chapter 11. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that ye what? Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Can I give you another term for that? Obey him. (laughs) Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Here it is, everything, my whole body, here it is for you, holy acceptable unto God. Why? It's your reasonable service because of the love that he gave to you. It's reasonable. Verse two, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen, I no longer want to live in the world. I want my mind to be transformed and I want to do the will of God. I want to obey him because of love. Let's continue. We obey out of love. And that obedience begins to love people like God loves them. Understand. I want to obey God. 
I want to love him. I want to understand him. And what does God command us? Love them as I have loved them. That's the new commandment we found in 1 John. Jesus says it in, in other places in the Bible. Love them as I have loved them. So when you are obeying God, you're loving him, you're obeying him, you will begin to love people like God loves them. And that obedience shows that we have faith in God. I trust God implicitly. I'm going to obey him. That faith in God gives us the power to overcome the world. Go to Romans chapter 8. That faith in God gives us power to overcome the world. Romans chapter 8 and verse 35. Again, not unfamiliar passages to you. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are what? More than conquerors through him that, guess what? Loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. We are more than conquerors. We have overcome the world. The faith that we have in him has caused us to overcome the world. That faith and that love is shown to someone else. That faith and that love is shown to someone else. Do you realize that when you live that way, someone else can notice that? You're no longer a liar. You become a beaming light of God's goodness. You become the light that Jesus says, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. And in other places he says, I am the light of the world. Why? Because now Jesus Christ is literally living through you. People take notice. Someone else sees that. Someone else places their faith in Jesus Christ and they experience the love of Jesus Christ. And guess what happens? The process repeats itself again. This is why it's so, so, so important to love God. This is why it's so important to love your brother. Because you cannot have one without the other. I believe this. When we fail in this pattern, I believe we live distracted, defeated lives. I believe that with my whole heart. If we fail in any moment of that pattern, God's love is not perfected in us. We fail and we live distracted. No idea what we're looking for. Defeated lives. When we're distracted, we are defeated. All of this from the love of God. <laughs> Could we with ink the ocean fill? And we're the skies of parchment made. And we're every stalk on earth a quill. And every man a scribe by trade. To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole. 
they'll stretch from sky to sky. You see, the love of God is far more important than you ever realize. The love of God is far more important than I could ever realize all this from the love of God. I want you to turn back to 1 John chapter 4. Realize again with me how important this is. For this is the love of God. Verse 3, that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not grievous. If you begin to think, man, I'm a slave to God. Oh, man, I'm just this servant to Him and all I have to do is what He tells me to do. Listen, you don't love God. His commandments are not grievous. In fact, they're exciting. They're exciting. In fact, I can't wait till I get to serve God again. I can't wait till I get to be in close proximity to God. I can't wait to be in that relationship with God. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Listen, you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. You overcome the world because of your faith. Verse 5, who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. What greater way to prove and to overcome the world's philosophy and the world's way but by seeing another person come to Jesus Christ to rescue the perishing. You're overcoming the world by loving God. This is why I believe knowing God and abiding with God and loving God are so important. And every day we overlook it. And we say, ah, Ah, I missed my Bible reading today. I mean, it's really not that big of a deal. Ah, I didn't talk to God today. I mean, it's really not that big of a deal. You realize that that helps you build a relationship with God. And that translates into every fiber of your being. I want you to turn over with me to Matthew chapter 22, and I'll be finished here. Matthew 22, verse 35. Matthew 22 and verse 35. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. It says, verse 39, and the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But verse 40, something we often overlook, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophet. Basically, the greatest commandments are to love God and love others. And everything else hangs on those I believe that. I can't get over it. I've tried to do it on my own. I have tried to do it a different way. 
But I believe with my entire being that to know God and to abide in him and to love him, that is the basis for every other part of my life. Because when God becomes a part of me, he is acting inside of me and I'm just showing that forth. I'm just oozing out of his love. How are we going to do that? I hope you're asking that question. How? Very simply, just spend time with him. Just spend time with him. So if I can challenge you this week, put your phone away, put your television, turn your television off, Turn the radio off. Turn whatever is distracting you off and just spend some time with God. Learn more about Him. Fall desperately in love with Him and see if this week your actions change. I can almost guarantee it's going to happen. Fall in love with God again. It will change your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day, for all you've done for us. Father, thank you for loving us when we were unlovable. And thank you for the opportunity to love you in return. And Father, for me personally, I am sorry. I am sorry for the things that I've allowed to distract me from you. Father, I'm praying before these people tonight before you that I would maintain an abiding relationship with you that I would not let those things distract me and Father I pray that these people would keep me accountable to that Father if there's someone listening that does not know you as personal Savior Father I pray today that they would know Father if there's someone listening that has maybe just stepped out of abiding relationship with you, then, Father, I pray that today they would do that so that they could love their brethren as you have loved them. Father, that they could overcome the world because of the love that you've shown. Nothing can separate us from that. Father, help our actions to change because of an internal battle that we've decided to fight of an internal battle that Satan is warring, wanting to keep us from you. I pray that we would focus on you tonight. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Well, I want to thank you for being here tonight if you're watching online, and I uh, hope that you've, uh, this has been a help to you. And if there's anything we can do for you, please reach out to us. There's a, a link in the description. You can connect with us if you so desire and uh, reach out to us. We would love to be able to do that. I want to thank you so much for joining us here tonight at Bible Baptist Church.